Well, this is a mini masterclass on guest engagement and creating treat-like experiences. And I'm so excited for you to hear from Laura, who is an absolute master at creating experiences that encourage thriving in work and life for professional accomplished women. Let's dive in. Inquiring minds wanna know, how are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants, and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way that's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of? That's the question, and the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Faefer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Hey, it's Sarah. I have an invitation for you right now. You can join entrepreneurs from across the globe who share a passion for hosting their own events. Become part of the community that inspires and cheers you on over at greenroomcentral.com. Today, I brought into Green Room Central Studios Laura Best, a marketing professional and founder of The Passion Collective, now eight years old and 1,400 passionados strong. It's a community dedicated to helping professional women help each other thrive in work and life. Passion Collective hosts monthly virtual workshops, coaching sessions, and social events via its online home, Passion Collective On Demand, as well as the signature Buzz Sessions uh, in-person events. Now, all events are intimate and encourage sharing and support and focus on practical inspiration for busy, accomplished, professional women. Laura, welcome to Green Room Central Studios. Say hello to Lynchpin Nation. Hello, Lynchpin Nation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, we're so thrilled you're here. And I want to start by saying, why do you think it's so important to focus on the idea of thriving when it comes to events? Well, I I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm an overly optimistic person about this world, but I just like to think that in most, if not everything we do, we should be trying to make ourselves better, but also hopefully help other people. And, you know, one of the reasons I started Passion Collective is that I was going to uh, these, you know, very typical networking events, right? We've all been there. It, back in the olden days where we had our suit on and, you know, name tag, make sure you remember to put it on the right side because there's a lot of rules about name tags, right? Yes. Um, don't pin it through your silk shirt. There's all of that. And then you go to this thing and you're giving your business card and you're shaking hands and, you know, have, trying to have some conversation with people and trying to engage, maybe have some food if you're lucky, uh, maybe have a decent glass of wine if you're lucky, and then maybe get home by the time your kids go to bed, right? I feel like that was sort of the old way that we used to do a lot of this. Um, and one of the reasons I started Passion Collective is that that wasn't filling me up at all. Um, I was doing a lot of these events because I thought I had to and I should do. And I realized it wasn't helping me and there wasn't enough meaning in it for me to try and help other people. So it was just a rather empty experience. So, you know, when I think about what we do with Passion Collective as a community, but also events overall, I think it's just such a wonderful opportunity when you gather people together to think about this idea of thriving and how can we, yes, we have our content and our material and everybody's got to make money, but how can we have that true positive impact in the space of our event time? It's almost like a magical time that we have that we need to make the most out of. I couldn't agree more. And I especially feel that since, you know, this two years we've just been through as uh, a global community and how we're so much more closely attuned to like what we're going to get out of uh, each interaction that we have and like assessing the value, especially in uh, virtual scenarios, because um, we now see such the, and sense the value of our time. We sense the value of connections that we're making and I love how 
you you saw a gap and you stepped in. Uh, I mean, that's like true entrepreneurship right there, right? To like sense that there's a problem and uh, know that you could find the solution and just be the person who steps up and takes a leadership role and, and figures it out for folks. And I, I'm sensing a lot of kind of like, the word community is coming up a lot for me when I'm hearing how you're describing your events. Yep. And, and that is different, I think, from those traditional networking events mm -hmm. that we've all you know, been to or in, and endured in the past. And so talk to us about the difference to you between a, a network and a community. Yeah, it's a great question because it's, it's not, I think, that one is any better than the other in terms of, you know, a global worldview. I mean, I think there's room for everything um, as long as it's professional and respectful. And there is an intention of love behind it, but we can talk about that later. Um, for me, networking is all about... Um, I mean, well, let's let's start with the idea of networking, right? We all have networks. We probably have multiple networks. You know, I have my alumni network from my university in England. I don't connect with them very much. Actually, I think it's mainly on a LinkedIn group, right? But I know that I'm a Warwick grad. I went to Warwick University. I have this network of people there who I can connect with. And if I need anything or if we need to connect each other, we'll do it, right? Um, I am a mum. I have a 10-year-old daughter, Sophia. So I have a network of, you know, mums and dads with soccer, with skiing, with the school stuff. Um, it doesn't mean that we're best friends, but there's a network and we're, you know, connected. Um, I think, though, for me, networks are much more transactional in nature. And there's nothing wrong with that. But essentially, I think you engage with a networking community or, sorry, and. I'm getting myself confused, a networking organization because you want something out of it. Um, and to me, it's rather one-sided. Um, it's a bit of a controversial view because, you know, a lot of the old networking books are all about give and take. But my experience certainly with networking is that it was a more transactional feel. Um, there weren't very many meaningful conversations happening in that situation because it felt like everyone was on show. Um, I used to say that um, I used to wear my armor, you know, in my old corporate jobs and even walking into a networking event, sort of putting on your armor and that your armor could be your elevator pitch. It could be the actual suit you're being asked to wear. Now, for me, a community is different. It's still a group of people who are connected together, but the community is connected by a shared belief or a shared vision about something that they're linking arms about. And that can be, I mean, you could have a gardening community, right? Maybe you all like roses and there's a community of gardeners who, you know, love roses and they want to improve the rose beds in their community. <laughs> um, our community is all about women, women helping each other thrive in work and life. So there's this underlying belief with us that we deserve to be happy and we deserve to have the opportunity to lead fulfilling and happy lives. Um, the other underlying belief in our community is that we should, should be working to help others in a way that lights us up. And so we have this common bond as passionados and this idea of community because it's not only about us, it's also about the impact that we are jointly hoping to create. And we're probably all going to create that impact in different ways. Uh, I firmly believe that you should find the thing that you love and find the way to help with that because you're probably going to enjoy it more, you know, and you're going to be more successful with it. Um, but that to me is the difference. I mean, communities tend to be linking arms together and you know, onward, and we're here to do this. And there's a real, um, a very clear sense of the fact that you give and you take. And it's okay to do both of them. It's okay to ask for help in a community. It's also expected and okay to be giving. Um, in a networking scenario, I think it's much more, accept more acceptable to be taking 
right? Not in any bad way, but you know, you're there to make a contact and you're trying to get some business information so you can qualify this prospect, so you can move your agenda along. Now, you probably reciprocate, you know, if you and I are networking, you know, you'll say, hey, Laura, I can introduce you to these three amazing business owners. They need to sponsor Passion Collective. And I'll say, oh, yeah, Sarah, these, these three business owners should totally know about what you're doing. Let, let us, you know, scratch each other's backs. And we all have to do that. And hopefully it's enjoyable because we like each other and we support each other. To me, though, a community is deeper and there's a shared belief there. Mm. So, so many things to unpack in what you just said, Laura. Uh, the, the first thing I want Lynchpin Nation to be like taking copious notes about was something you just like totally glanced over, but <laughs> I want to underline it is you said uh, you call your community uh passionados and mm -hmm. did i get it right yep passionados. okay yep and in so linchpin nation once what i want you to hear there is she gave her community a name and that is so important uh that you give your community uh this identity okay and it it helps tie them together and and so i'm not only hearing that you gave them a name that kind of connects them and that they can all kind of like an umbrella that they're all like under together. But you also gave them a sense of shared uh, beliefs. Mm -hmm. So you kind of set a belief system up for your community. Yep. And so now uh, people have this, uh, I'm always saying that when you join a community, uh, people's first uh, question is, how do I fit in? Mm -hmm. No matter which community it is, whether that's, you know, like that soccer community with your your daughter's uh, yeah. team or, you know, your alumni network or uh, the passion collective, like people joining that community want to know how do I fit in? And so I'm hearing, Laura, that you're you're immediately giving them like a name for themselves. So they know like, OK, this is what I'm called, like this is what I'm a part of. And then like, OK, here's what we believe. And here's how we show up for one another inside of this community. And here's, yeah. um, it's safe here to ask for help. It's safe yep. here to give help. Like this is what ex is expected. And that's so important in setting up your community to be a community and not a network. Yeah, and I think, like I say, both are great, but I also think that we could, you know, have all of this on our website, right? And just do a really good job making it all fancy and putting everything up there. Um, but if you don't follow through with everything you do, um, if it's not who you are, then it's it's going to fail. And so, you know, as we're talking about event strategy and event management, um, for me, it's extremely important that with everything that we do, um, it's a, a catalyst for this community. It's a it's an opportunity for our community to live out what we're saying that we want to do. I actually had somebody this morning. I was on a business development call, you know, hoping that this company is going to support us or sign up their women for team membership because they don't have a women's community anymore in their company. It's too much work, so come to us, you know. And you know, the the woman I was talking to said, "Well, are you going to?" do a retreat she's like i'd love to do a retreat right because we're passion collective we're women we want to go on a spa weekend or whatever yes we um, do yeah, well, <laughs> I, I definitely want a spa weekend right now can you organize it sarah i'll just size um, <laughs> i am here for it <laughs> and i said to her i said you know i'm thinking about it but for me it has to be the right experience and we really have to make sure that we do it in the way that feels like us and that we get what we want out of it. And so I've been very intentional over the last eight years or so as I've built Passion Collective to really stay true to the original intent of who we are as a community. Um, and that's hard sometimes because, for example, our events are much more intimate than, say, big networking events. Um, you know, I see some of our competitors out there and they'll get like, 400 people at some big leadership conference and I'm like wow good for them and it's one of these all-day conferences right eight till six you know you're sat in this big room and this think of the revenue right and I'm also thinking of the event costs but that's different but think of the revenue they're bringing in 500 bucks a ticket whatever it is I'm like hmm no that's not who we are because as a community we need our own space to open up 
have shared support, and it needs to feel different. So, you know, really, I mean, what we're talking a little bit here about is is brand as well. But for me, community is at the core of what we do. And, and even, you know, the events that we put on, we, we've got one this Saturday. It's called Field Trip. So we're taking a group of our passionados to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, and it's two hours just for them to immerse themselves in creativity for two hours and just to step away from the obligation and responsibility of being a working mum and to rediscover the creativity. And it's not going to generate any revenue for us. It doesn't need to. It's a chance for us to come together as a community to do what we say we're supposed to be doing, which is rediscovering what lights us up and trying to sort of rediscover that passion for what we want to do. So it really is this sort of thread, this DNA that goes through. And, and to your point, Sarah, you, I think you've got to decide what do you want? You know, as a business owner, you know, if you're someone listening today and you're like, yeah, but do I do both? You know, do, do I start a networking, you know, thing? And, and are we a community as well? Um, I think you can have both types of experiences, like within our Passion Collective events, our women network, <laughs> you know, so they help each other out. They, um, you know, suggest business development uh, potential prospects, you know, but that's not the primary reason why we're together. The primary reason is that we're linking arms and we're trying to help each other with this thing. Um, so you can do one or the other or both, but I think it's good to, to really ask yourself as a business owner, look inside yourself and say, what do I want to accomplish with this? What's the true meaning and the true intention of it? Yeah, and I think what I like to teach inside Live Event Academy is like, what's the, the physical embodiment of your brand look and mm -hmm. feel and smell and sound like, you know? And uh, so if, if that isn't a 500 person hotel ballroom for you, then yeah. that don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hearing that you're doing some in-person things, but I know yes. you're also doing virtual things. And I know that Zoom obviously has opened the floodgates for virtual events. And so I want you to talk a little bit about how you think like virtual event creators can make their events stand out because I know you've certainly done that with your passion collective virtual events mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's opened new doors for you that you didn't mm -hmm. even see before two years ago. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, it's funny because um, I know we've talked way too much about pivoting in COVID, right? It's become this sort of silly buzzword, but still very real. Um, I mean, my background is in marketing and digital marketing. I've been in digital for 20 odd years. So I've helped a lot of clients um, create experiences online. And it was funny, a couple of years ago before COVID, um, I was having a conversation with my advisory board and I was saying, you know, we should have an online home. It doesn't feel right to me that I'm asking these busy, stressed out, awesome women to plan their month around us. It just wasn't sitting right with me. And it's really hard to execute from an event standpoint. It's the mountain in Mohammed, right? <laughs> and it just felt just wrong. And one of my board members, God bless her, she was like, oh, Laura, no, no one's ever going to want to go online and do this stuff. It's just not, it, you, the magic of what you do is in person. And she was right. I mean, if you think, you know, before um, COVID happened, I don't think we really expected anything like we do right now, the way we live our lives, the way work has changed, you know. Um, and so I didn't do anything with it. I was too busy. You know, I got a consulting business too. So there's all, you know, all sorts of stuff going on. And then COVID hit and we were at about 800 passionados at the time. And we just had the best event we'd ever put on. It was fantastic. And I remember driving home from the event being like, oh, you know, life is brilliant. Everything worked. Oh my God, this, we're just on it. <laughs> and then literally that was March 5th. And then we locked down in Minneapolis March, it's about St. Patrick's Day, I think. Um, just to make sure everybody didn't go out on St. Patrick's Day and, and spread it, I think. Because it's such a big deal, especially in St. Paul, that parade. Oh my goodness. I know, I know. It's like, so I remember I sat on the couch as I think most people did, you know, just like what the am I going to do? 
and trying not to feel too much pity for myself because we were healthy. But at the same time, it's like, well, I got a traditional events-based business, you know? And I actually, I'm a big follower of Seth Godin. I'm sure you know Seth and I'm sure um, the Lynchpin Nation uh, knows Seth Godin, but he did a tremendous job in the early days of COVID with his um, virtual uh, events, I guess you could call them. He just live streamed. And he did what he did best, and he encouraged and motivated his tribe, right? Because he's all about tribes. And I was sat there with my phone, and it's about two weeks into the pandemic, and I was, you know, what am I going to do? And he looked at me through the phone, because, you know, Seth and me. And he said, if you're sat there right now, words to the effect, with a phone in your hand watching this, and you have a group of people or a community that you can help, go and help them. And I sat there and I was like, I've been thinking about myself for the last two weeks and how I'm going to cope. Wait a minute. We have 800 passionados right now who are probably feeling the same way. I've got to get out and help them. So what I started to do was we had our buzz session events, which were our signature events. They were beautifully curated, right? Food, music, I mean, everything is beautiful. And so I said, right, I'm going to do a mini buzz session every week for the next month. And I'm going to go and find a guest every week and we're just going to put them on for free and I'll figure it out. <laughs> I didn't realize how much work that was going to be, but anyway. Um, and we ran them for four weeks. Uh, it was purely on Zoom. I thought maybe a couple of people might show up. And over the four-week period, we had about 120, 130 people sign up and participate over the four events. So unwittingly, I had stumbled into a test scenario where I was like, huh, all right, people need this. They're willing to do this on Zoom. Okay. And so I set myself another goal of building our own online home, which is, if you remember, what I'd wanted to do before. So we set a goal for that for early June. And we designed and built that, or actually we worked with the Mighty Networks platform. We didn't design it ourselves. We designed the content. Um, but we got that up and running in five weeks. So then we launched um, an online paid community model, which was a whole different machine. But this enabled us to host our virtual events, uh, make RSVPing a lot easier, have a private place for content and for people to communicate outside of social media. Um, so we built the thing. And so in the span of, I don't know, what are we talking about? St. Patrick's Day and just after Memorial Day, you know, I had done that to, to figure out how to support the community. Um, and frankly, when we launched in early June, I, had, I still had no idea if it was going to work. Um, and I'm sure, <laughs> Sarah, I'm sure you know, but also a lot of the, the Lynchpin Nation know you just have this pit in your stomach, right? Oh, God, are they going to sign up? Are they going to come? Are they going to... Yeah, and you just got to fight through it um, every day, and it's one by one. But for us, having that online home was a real game changer because now you can join at any time from anywhere in the world. We're English speaking, but we've had people join our events from Italy, Mexico, India, Australia, all over, UK. Um, we also can record the events and keep them in this private home. So it's just so remember our community is all about a trusted space. I didn't just want to throw them out on the internet. This is trusted stuff. And we could give exclusive um, experiences to the people in this destination. So the events really expanded in terms of what we offered um, and it enabled us to be a lot more flexible. So it's given us also, it's reversed the mountain and Mohammed, you know, we're now serving. Okay, so what am I? Am I Mountain or Mohammed? I can't remember. But we are now serving the community, whereas before I felt like it, it, it was sort of, it was seemed switched in a way. Um, we wake up every day to make sure that the content is in the platform. We're producing the best events for the people who are in the platform. There are public events too, but really our priority are our members now. So Laura, so Buzz Sessions is, is the name of of that kind of those events that are signature right inside mm -hmm. that platform yeah and so i want you to tell us about kind of maybe the first buzz session that you hosted uh how did it go what did you learn and perhaps a little bit about how that's evolved but i guess what i want to highlight here is i think 
your like the magic touch that you put on events what i'm sensing is your attention to detail when it comes to the whole experience mm -hmm. really uh because you're not about like <laughs> bad food and like you know like impersonal networking and you really have this sensitivity to uh like a holistic view on the experience and so i want you to touch on that a bit yeah and this is this is probably a better answer to your last question i realize but um you know, I, I certainly think with virtual events, uh, for me, it's extremely important for people to come as they are, especially given our community and our demographic, um, to have a variety in those events just as a, a program offering. But then our events themselves, we work really hard to have variety within the event. So you're not just staring at a screen for an hour and watching someone's PowerPoint presentation. You know, we utilize chat heavily. We utilize polls like most people do now with Zoom. But for me, the most important thing with virtual is to have a very authentic human experience for everybody who's involved. So for me as the community leader, I lead them. Um, I also curate the guests who come in and I'm never going to put a guest in front of our passionados who I don't believe in and who I don't think is, is part of who we are. But we share a lot, you know, we're vulnerable too, right? And we go deeper into the questions that we talk about. It's not just superficial and transactional stuff. We also have quiet moments where we do journaling or we have prompts or little workshop pieces. And then we use the breakout rooms as well. So people can use a different part of their brain and actually interact together and get something out of it for them too. And all that's done in sort of 50, 60 minutes. So I think with virtual, um, for us, certainly it's about, originally, so we re replicated the buzz session formula, which is in person for the mini buzzes. And the only thing that's different, which is funny, um, is probably the alcohol and the food uh, part of it. <laughs> you know, we couldn't do that on Zoom. We, we could try, I guess, but it doesn't work as well. Um, so it's sort of two thirds of buzz sessions. Buzz sessions were originally my way to create a treat-like experience for our passionados, where they could come together, come as they are. Um, I was so tired of attending these women's events um, that were just so patronizing um, with crappy food. Um, and I never got to share anything with anyone. So I sort of flipped it. Um, did intimate events. The first one was about uh, confidence. And uh, we actually brought in a coach to talk about her experience in building confidence as a woman in the workplace. Um, and then we had a journaling and a workshop session. And I remember sitting there with the guests who did show up. I didn't know whether they would. Um, and one of the younger women just opened right up without any sort of prompting at all. And I remember just thinking, wow. Like, how do we do that? You know, honestly, I was like, how did that happen? Because after all these years of people not opening up, we suddenly created this space where strangers were opening up to each other. And so I began to realize that what we were doing was helping that. Um, the first event was incredibly stressful, as I'm sure, you know, <laughs> you know, Sarah and many of the Lynchpin Nation know. I mean, I remember carrying bags of food up the stairs, buying too much food, buying too much wine. Um, I mean, it, it was kind of a mess from now I look at it. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, but the guests didn't care. It was a really authentic, lovely experience. And I remember driving home buzzing. And I was like, yep, buzz session. This is really what it's all about. Because my, my job is to re-energize and to activate our passionados. So, you know, for us, the buzz sessions have really evolved over the years to become part happy hour part real story sharing from women who are pursuing their passions. So it, this is not about, oh yeah, I quit my job and six months later with my side hustle, I'm earning 10 million and you can too. It's, I mean, no, it's, it's about the real story of pursuing your passion and or we flip it with talking about topics that our passionados really want to dig into. So the last in-person we did in October was all about finding your fierce, so fierce, um, and we had three women guests. One was a former firefighter in the Minneapolis Fire Department. She delivered 12 babies over, I think, 15 years. Incredible woman. 
Um, one was an entrepreneur who had started a cookie business after surviving domestic abuse. And the third one was a woman who'd actually written the book, Find Your Fierce. She was a former corporate executive. So our topic was about being fierce. And it was hearing these stories of these women who were finding their fierce. And then, you know, there is a connection and workshop component. So we just sort of, we stuck with the same idea. We just made it better. And I'm always pushing myself and our team to really get to the, the real meaningful stuff. You know, we could put on so many more events, like the retreat idea, um, but it has to be really meaningful. And I think that's the big thing with, with the in-person events now. As you said at the beginning, Sarah, people are not willing to get off, off the couch, me included. There's a lot of Netflix I still have to watch. And my PJs are really soft. So if I'm going to come out now to an in-person event, it, it better be good. And it better not just give me the superficial stuff, because I like that, <laughs> good wine, good food, etc. But it also has to fill me up in some way. And I should walk away feeling good, you know, because what else are we doing it for? Hey, I don't want you to miss out. Did you know that this conversation always continues inside the Lynchpin Nation community? It's a free modern discussion forum exclusively for Green Room Central listeners that will have a profound impact on the way you look at events in your business. Get answers to your biggest questions, hear behind the scenes nuggets from event leaders, and get access to helpful templates, guides, and checklists as you start and scale events in your business. Be part of the daily discussion with entrepreneurs just like you. You can join for free over at greenroomcentral.com. I'll see you inside. So true. I, and it, there's so many things like I took notes on in that last <laughs> little bit. Uh, like my one of my absolute favorites was how you your the the frame with which you look at your events is creating a treat like experience. Mm -hmm. And I just like love those words together. Mm -hmm. But I want to make sure Lynchpin Nation that you were writing down like Laura just gave a mini masterclass <laughs> on guest engagement, like workshopping and journaling and using polls and using chat and curating guests and Zoom breakouts. I mean, huge uh, amount of advice that you just gave us there. But if you had to like distill it to one that you think has been like a game changer for encouraging guests to share and and open up, whether it's a virtual mm -hmm. or in-person setting, do you think there's there's one that you would say like you must do this? Well, it's interesting because you know I, I know I've rattled off a whole load of tactics, so I, I wouldn't um, suggest you try them all at once in the same event. Um, I've certainly been testing as I've been going along, you know, and trying to get the engagement that we're looking for. And it is funny, what I do see um, with our virtual events is, and with, you know, passionados are passionate women, right? Or they're women wanting to rediscover their passion. We're not typically quiet, you know, and we come from all different backgrounds, but something happens when people join a Zoom event or a Zoom call and, you know, there's definitely this, this hesitation to ask questions. Um, countless times, I think I say, so does anyone have any questions for Lizzie, the amazing speaker? And it's just like, radio silence. Um, so I tend not to do that now. Um, we tend to use chat a lot. Um, and I've experimented with, you know, asking very traditional, almost networking-like questions as they enter the Zoom room. So at least you know who's there, right? Share your name, where you're from, and one thing you're passionate about today. So it's like, Laura, Minneapolis, I love cake. You know, even silly things, right? Just so you know who's there. Because how many Zoom events have you joined where it's just like faces? And you have no idea who these people are. So you're not going to open up to them if you don't know who they are. Um, but honestly, the, the and polls are okay. I think polls help. Um, they give you another piece of content to, you know, prompt the audience to sort of get involved. But for me, the, the game changer has been when I share. And it's when I lead and I open up, others feel like they have the permission to do so. And that's really hard because I always struggle with, okay, so how much should this be about me? And how much should I talk? Because I'm the host, right? And, you know, 
and, and really this is for you, it's for them. But I've noticed that if I show up in an authentic way, um, they tend to follow more. Um, and also, honestly, underwriting all of this, it goes back to, I think, one of your first questions, Sarah, about the intent of why we gather together. Um, it's a lot easier, I think, for our passionados to open up because we've already set those beliefs and those boundaries at the front door. So you sort of know that if you're in this space, you're in the Vegas scenario, right? What What is there stays there and that people have your back. You know, in my experience at old networking events, I didn't feel that people had my back, you know, and to be fair, those events didn't promise that. But you had to navigate those waters a bit differently, right? But in our events, it's set up that we are women helping each other thrive. So there's just that assumption that that's what we're there to do. Yeah. And I'm hearing that you're leading by example, uh, and that's uh, so powerful. You're exhibiting the energy that you want them to to show up with. Yeah. And it's it's really, it's exhausting sometimes, Sarah. I will say it. Like it's, you know, I, God, I'd, I'd love to meet Oprah one day. I mean, just to, just to see how she does it. Right. And just to learn from her and her journey and, and how she shows up. Cause she, to me is the master of, you know, interviewing and also, you know, creating this sort of global community. Um, and there's sometimes where you just feel like, oh my gosh, you know, come on, come on guys. But I've learned that that's where they are. You know, sometimes people are just tired and they don't want to engage or they've had a crappy night's sleep because their kid was up or they just got a, a, a not nice email from their boss. And so I, I try and meet them where they are, um, but it does take quite a bit of energy. <laughs> there are some days where I'm just like, can someone else just meet this, please? But no, because it's that wouldn't work. You know, and not in any, I don't mean that to sound arrogant, like it, I have to be there, but imagine if Oprah suddenly stopped, you know, hosting her, what are the things where she does her fireside and that she's in her Californian garden, and, right? And if, oh, the soul session, the soul session, so that's what I'm thinking of. What if suddenly she's like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to bother showing up for this one. You know, my, my executive producer is going to be in the chair instead of me. Like, no, you, Oprah is there every time and she leaves. So... Yeah, I've got a lot to learn for sure, but I think it helps. Um, the thing is, it takes some courage to do that. Um, I won't lie, when I first started with Passion Collective, I actually was still working in corporate and it felt like I had to put on a completely different hat, um, mainly because what I was wearing in corporate was not me. You know, um, actually when I was doing Passion Collective, I was much more true to myself. Um, but standing up and leading authentically don't want to sound too much like Brene, but she's absolutely right, is, you know, that daring leadership, right? That authentic leadership is, I think, really important. So, Laura, how have you kind of stepped into your leadership role and found your voice as a community creator and an event host? Hmm. What, does that, what does that journey look like for you? God, I mean, I'm deaf. I'm nowhere near there yet i don't even know where there is like i'm trying to think like what would the end of the journey be i wonder whether oprah says oh yeah i've really got to work on these things i bet she does because she's oprah and she wouldn't be where she is without doing that right um i had a moment a few years ago with my coach where we had done a video for passion collective and it was a beautiful video it's actually on the on our homepage of our website so it had all the passionados at an event like la, 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 la. and I had done a voiceover for it um, and I've done quite a few voiceovers in the past um, but I played it for her and as I played it I sort of did this and she was like what is this what, what you know what what is going on here <laughs> I was like what do you mean and she said well you're doing this I was like, I know, it's just I'm the sound of my own voice. And oh my God, like, I'm just sort of so like, and my whole body language was like that, right? And she looked at me, she knew me really well. And she's like, right. <laughs> she was like, think of it this way. There are people in your community who do not have a voice. And you can be the one who has that voice for them. And when she said that, I suddenly realized it was kind of like the Seth Godin couch moment 
where I realized actually this isn't about me anymore. It's, it's about this community that I'm helping to bring together. And funnily enough, some months later, um, I was running one of our workshops, I Am Remarkable, which is all about self-promotion um, in the workplace. It's actually a Google program. It's really cool. And it helps address the barriers for women and underrepresented groups in the workplace. And I had made what I thought was quite a throwaway comment about women being talked over in the workplace. I'd shared a personal experience, like maybe for 10 seconds. Didn't think anything of it. And I got this email from one of the passionados who had joined the workshop saying, thank you so much for saying that. I have never had the courage to say that out loud, but hearing you say it makes me realize that I wasn't crazy all these years. And I was like, okay. <laughs> the coach was right, Michael Kithcart. She's awesome, by the way, check her out. Um, that was a really defining moment for me because I realized that I'm not gonna be perfect with what I say or what I do every day with Passion Collective. Um, but if I can articulate what I'm feeling and my experience and try and map it to our community, hopefully it will connect and help them in some way. So I'm very much still, I mean, I think many entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, I'm sure all of you are, are still working on this, right? How do I describe what I do? How do I lead in this way? How do I be this figurehead? I'm very aware of not wanting to be viewed as some sort of self-help guru because there are some bad examples out there, right? Um, or, you know, some of the MLMs that are out there that are just like horrific with some of these like personalities who have driven this very toxic culture. Um, but I have to put that to one side and say, no, this is for our community. And also we're a business. We're not a nonprofit. We are a business. And so, you know, the more we're out there, the more I'm out there, hopefully the more we grow and the more we can grow as a community and we help each other the more money we can put back into our grants, for example, the retreats we can put on. So that's what I tell myself when I start to feel the, you know, the crazy monkeys in my head tell me not to speak up. Oh, I love that journey, uh, Laura. And again, like how you're leading by example and helping other women find their voice is just <clears throat> so Trying. beautiful. Yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> I mean, I just, yeah, it's to me, you know, even if I look at that example with Michael, she's a female coach, right? And for me, her giving me that advice was really meaningful and meant a lot and changed something inside of me. So I know what it feels like to have another woman help me along that journey. And so to me, it's all this, what is it, the infinity loop or the circle? I don't know what what it would be but it's we are all it sounds cheesy but we are all in this together and certainly as women if we can help each other out if we don't try because we're worried that it's going to sound wrong or people will say who does she think she is saying all that a community leader fine let them think it well then they're yeah. not your people right they're it's not your so... people i tell you that is really hard though i'm eight years in yeah. and it's still really hard um, one tip for your audience, this is a bit of a diversion, but after eight years, I have only just turned off the unsubscribe notifications from MailChimp. Um, I used to get an, a notification every time someone unsubscribed. It was just the way it was set up. And a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I don't want to see him anymore. I mean, I'll go in and check on an ongoing basis, but every time it was like a stab to the heart. Oh, yeah, we have to really put a filter on the content that we let in yep. and we need to put positive in if we want to put positive out and exactly uh, and just you know to underline that for everyone who says no this isn't for me like that is really okay. a gift because like they are for somebody you are for somebody and you aren't for somebody and you really like your community wouldn't be what it is if the people who it wasn't for stayed in it. Like the serendipity yeah. is because every, you know, like you're sharing with people who th this is who it's for and this is who this is not for. And the serendipity of the room is, it's just, it's magic. Yeah, I know. And it's, I remember one of your previous guests talked about how nerve wracking it is to put on an event 
and to just not see the RSVPs come through. And it is, it's terrifying. Even our, our field trip on Friday, I'm like, oh my God, oh, on Saturday, is everyone gonna, sh I had someone uh, back out today because they might have COVID. I hope she's feeling good, but also I'm like, oh no, there's people gonna show up. There is this sort of constant anxiety around whether you do have a tribe and whether you can rely on your tribe and whether they care. Um, and honestly, I had one event last year where zero people showed up. Luckily, it was not a big event, but I went into the Zoom room. No one came. I just hung out for 15 minutes. And my it was only the, the only event where no one showed up, by the way. The others are good. But I told myself, I'm just going to be here. And if they need it, I am going to be here. And it's taken quite a long time to get to that point and not beat myself up about it. Um, because again, I'm, I'm trying to be in service for them. And I can't control what their day looks like or whether they get COVID or any of that. And you have to believe that whether you're a business owner, a community builder, what you're doing is going to help people and you just need to find them. It's just really hard <laughs> to find them and keep them. Yeah. Oh. That really that leads me to my next question because, uh, and this is part of that like rapid fire segment that I like to do before we wrap up is just like underscoring that whole mindset. What do you tell yourself backstage and on stage, and um, so like what comes to mind right away when I say that? Yeah, I mean, I think back to our last buzz session. This is actually kind of hilarious. Um, so we decided to have mics. Oh, that's right, because we were recording for audio. We were trying that for the first time, which actually worked really well. But I had worn this dress, this sort of tight, God knows what I was thinking, this sort of tight black dress with no belt. So by the way, if you're doing an event and you need to have a mic, you need some something to put the mic on, right? So um, I'm backstage in the toilet of the venue, and you know Jada, our intern, has sort of got a hand up my back trying to put this microphone block so I look like you know the hunchback of Notre Dame with this thing on my back and I sort of look in the mirror and I'm like okay because that's not ideally how you want to be backstage right <laughs> you want to sort of be like Beyonce you know before she goes on not with someone with their hand up your back trying to put a mic on um, so you know regardless of the the bad preparation you can do I just always tell myself that you know <sighs> I have to lead the energy. And regardless of, I mean, our events are always a lot of work, our in-person events. I mean, the idea is obviously people show up and they have an amazing time. But I always describe it as, you know, working really hard on this dinner party and you've got the best food and you've laid your table out. And then, you know, there's that moment at your house when you kind of sit on the couch and you just sort of wait for your guests to come and everything's in the oven and the wine's there and you're like, um, and I think you've just got to tell yourself that you have to lead with your energy. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to be fake, but you have to show up as you. Um, you have to prepare a lot, though, as well. And I think that helps you lead with energy. So it took me a couple of goes to figure out, because with our uh, speakers, um, I'm the Oprah, right? So I'm there, and I'm sort of leading and uh, curating the conversation. It took me a, a couple of events to really figure out even the card size that I needed for the questions. One event, I took a big clipboard. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm like a school teacher with a clipboard. And I felt really awkward, right? So that affected my energy. I figured out I need these small cards, you know, like Oprah has. Um, and so for me, it's about the energy, leading with who you are, but having the preparation down your talking points, knowing how you're going to transition, however you're emceeing or hosting. Um, but also just knowing, I always think our events are like weddings. Something will always go wrong. And I've had to let go of the fact that I wanted, you know, this perfect experience because people don't normally notice when small things go wrong. Um, you do, but you've got to let go of that because that can sap your energy. You know, if you're leading an event, you have to be in that moment and you have to be doing it for your audience. So all of those things combined and wear a belt. <laughs> oh, Laura, <laughs> best advice of the day, wear a belt. Yeah. Who wears belts anymore? Uh, I don't know. We're wearing sweatpants. Even oh if my I'd gosh. wearing a sweat, my sweatpants, I could have just clipped it in. But no, I wore Who a dress. has worn any sort of like hard <laughs> pants or belt in the last two years? Like, I want to know. Uh, all right, share your best tip for filling events with Lynchpin Nation. 
Um, I'm going to steal one from your previous guest. Um, and he is absolutely right. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. I'm really sorry, previous guest. But he said, um, you have to weave event promotion into everything you do up to your event. You can't just expect to put an event up on Eventbrite or on your company website and be like, oh, people will show up. They'll know about it. A, they're really busy. They may not know about it. So you've got to over-communicate with people, even though it feels like you're pushing it on them a bit. You've got to tell them where it is, why they should go, all the basics of marketing. But, you know, in your business development conversations, can you give away a free ticket or can you do 10% off a ticket? Um, you know, think of nonprofit organizations who may benefit from sending their people, but who may not have the budget. Give them a discount, give them free tickets. And I think it always has to be in your mind, and this is why it's so stressful, that you've got to fill the seats to, to the event. Um, you can't just sit back and hope that people are going to find it. There's way too much noise out there right now. And I'm going to guess, using kind of the basics of marketing strategy, that they're going to need to hear about it at least six times for them to take action. Which, if you think about it, is a couple of emails, some social media stuff, a personal reach out, a LinkedIn note. There's a lot of that personal pushing. If you're lucky enough to have a sales team or a team in your company, then, you know, gamify it for them. You know, do a rally for an hour where everybody rings all their contacts and they let them know about the event and whoever gets the most RSVPs get a prize at the end of it. You know, go old school, you know, sales methodology there. But yeah. you've, got to, you've got to do that while sticking to your brand values, right? You don't suddenly want to become you know, constantly selling this event and what you do if that's not who you are. You know, you've got to find a way to do it that is part of you. Um, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. You have to keep talking about it. You can't stop, but you have yeah. to do it in a way that uh, is authentic to you and your brand. Mm -hmm. And uh, that gamification comment that you just made reminded me of this uh, gamification style for filling events that I heard of that might work really well for your events where they actually create, and th this is something where they do like an annual event. So it's kind of a big push for about 10 weeks, but they, they empower their community and they create a contest for the community. So you would be creating mm -hmm. a contest for your appassionados and yep. they could team up or, you know, do it as a, a single person, but they, you know, whoever gets the most like signups over a period, like gets prizes and then the most signups over like the whole, um, you know, period of time. So like maybe you have weekly contests, but then you have like the full yeah. 10 week contest. And uh, this entrepreneur was saying it hands down, like fills their events every single time. And the community just like steps, rises to the occasion and has such a fun time with it and just really feels empowered to spread the mission. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, if you've got the time to do that and the resources, I think that's brilliant because, um, you know, who else to talk about or who better to talk about the events and the people you're doing it for? You know, we can stand up there all day on our soapbox and talk about it, but they're, they're the right ones to be doing it, really. So I think that's a really good idea. Couldn't agree more. What uh, first thing that comes to mind, what's your favorite moment at an event that you host? Like a, a, an event, uh, a moment that happened in the past or just a, a consistent no, like uh, consistently moment. at every event, like this is the moment where like your heart skips a beat or where like yep. your eyes like hold on something. So in our buzz sessions and in our in-person events, we do this, you know, the story sharing, which, well, the happy hour is always great. Uh, the story sharing is always wonderful. Um, but then we go into journaling so we have like this five minutes where you know we've set some sort of prompts or there's some exercise for them to do and then the passionado share and for me hands down you know the last event that we did with finding find your fierce um when people stand up in front of a room of strangers and talk about their experience whether it's a career experience or life or some sort of trauma they had that they've overcome like for me i just want to sit down and just let them carry on you know for me that's a very very humbling experience because this is what it's all about in my mind um and it, it just feels that you know we're all part of that shared moment together and that person has been so 
courageous and gracious to stand up and talk in front of a room of strangers. And sometimes, you know, companies buy team membership for their women. So they will sign up 10 of their women to be passion collective members, right? So there'll be a table of women from the company at the event. And even then, you know, a woman is standing up and talking in front of her coworkers about, you know, this moment in her childhood or whatever it is. So for me, it's it's definitely a moment of awe um, to be like, yeah, that's this is why we're doing it. It sort of reinforces our our mission and really what we're trying to do as a community. Mm. And I always worry it's never going to happen, but it always does. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. That's so special. Uh, really just makes it feel like it's all worth it, those little moments. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It really, especially, I mean, you all know how much work events are. Um, you can run yourself ragged with them, especially when you're starting out and you don't have huge budgets. You know, you are cutting corners. You're trying to do things differently. You know, you're you're putting the Trader Joe's wine into, you know, a pitcher to make sangria with some lemonade. You know, it's not all like... And so it's a, it's a lot of work, but I think it goes back to the purpose of what you're trying to do, either as a business or with the events that you run. Um, they have to be um, integrated. So what is the best thing about hosting your own events? Uh, what's the best thing that's come of it for your business? I mean, there are many stories of these uh, moments that have happened because of Passion Collective. And we really should do a better job of, of cataloging them and, and getting them out there because I continue to hear, you know, months later, oh yeah, you know, I got this job because I met so-and-so at that even happier. I'm like, really? I can't even remember you being there sometimes. You know, there's always, you know, the, you're like a, a bride at your own wedding sometimes, right? You don't remember all the details and all the interactions of your own events. But people will say, oh, yeah, I connected with her and we're doing this now. And I haven't had a role beyond connecting them together and enabling them to open up. And they have taken it from there. So for me, that makes it worthwhile. But honestly, selfishly for myself, I really love the work we do. Um, I have my consulting business, too, and I love my clients. Um, it's not a secret for them to know that hopefully I won't be running my consulting business forever. And hopefully we can get Passion Collective to a point where we're able to, to really run that as I would love to be able to run it. Um, but I'm taking my time with it intentionally, A, because it's fun, B, because I want to grow Passion Collective in the right way. I don't, I don't suddenly want to um, change us in any way that's gonna really denigrate what we're trying to do. Um, but for me, compared to where I was in my last corporate position, um, my life is completely different. And I'm so much happier uh, with myself, but also as a mum. And I'm leading more of the life that I want to lead. I mean, there's still always ways that we can change it up. But I mean, underscoring all of this for me is that we only have one life. We've got one I'm going to swear, Sarah, one bloody life. That's it. And so for me, you know, when I decided to leave the corporate world and, and really go out on my own, I realized that I needed to make the most of who I was and I needed to give it a shot. Um, will it work? I don't know. But define work, right? Define will it work. So, you know, I would encourage everybody who is is listening or watching here to really think about, you know, what makes you unique and special and what do you really love? What are you passionate about? Um, and, you know, business is business. We all need to make money. But how can you incorporate some of your unique talent and magic and the idea of helping other people into how you're executing your business strategy, how you're executing your events, because at the end of the day, it's all about people. You know, and I think we lose sight of that sometimes with events, certainly the bigger scale events. Um, it's all about how those people feel when they leave and what happens afterwards, ironically, because we spend so much time on the content in the event. <laughs> but I think it's about what impact have you got when they leave your event? And for me, I feel like we're in a really good spot with that. There's always more to do, though. Yeah, 
Uh, transformation, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're all working towards. That's the impact we're looking to make with our guests. Laura, I'd love to know, what are you reading right now? What am I what reading? Yeah. Um, ooh, I love books. I'm passionate about books, but I'm not very good at giving myself time to read books, especially when Netflix is so good right now and Hulu. Um, I am reading a book called The Passenger, and it is a rediscovered novel from um, a Jewish man who is trying to leave Germany uh, right at the beginning of World War II. And uh, I'm only just beginning to read it. I'm a history graduate, so I did history at Warwick. I love modern European history. I did some American history as well. Um, So I really, really love stories of people and this story in particular, um, I'm already in it, and it's it's going to be incredible. I think it's a very very sad story, and his personal story as an author is is not um, is not a happy one. But I really like sort of dark, deep stuff. If I'm reading, yeah. I have to say, there's so much history can teach us, right? Exactly, and it's again, it's about people. You know, um, my special subject at, at uni was the women of the French Revolution. I really wanted to learn more about, because uh, we hear about the men of the French Revolution. Um, Marie Antoinette's obviously a big woman in the French Revolution and, and that period, but I really wanted to know about the everyday women who did a lot to drive that revolution. And so I could talk about that stuff all day, but there's definitely threads that come in there. And most of the books, so I'm on Goodreads, right? And I set my target for the goal, for the books I want to read every year, and mostly I don't hit it. But I've realized, you know, there are books that I try and read because I think I should, and then there are the books that I really just love reading, and most of those are history books, historical fiction books. So that would be a passion of mine. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, Laura, I want you to share uh, what you've got going on right now and where Lynchpin Nation can find you. Yeah, we got lots. I feel like we're so prepared this year. We've got, compared to last year, I mean, wasn't last year still just such a crazy situation? And this year is no easier, but I feel like we're very prepared. We have lots of events already booked. Um, Our next mini buzz session is on March 10th. um, And we're talking about your money or your life. Sorry, I should get this right. Your money and your life. And if anyone knows English history, there used to be um, these men called highwaymen who used to rob people up and down the country, the rich people. And their saying was, your money or your life. So we've kind of ripped that off. And we're going to talk about, um, sorry, tangent. We're going to talk about how to free up your financials, your finances, so you can pursue your passion. Because most of us, when we want to pursue a passion, um, especially if you're a working parent, there are a lot of bills to pay, a lot of obligations and responsibilities. Often passions take money, whether it's a career passion, a creative passion. How do we put ourselves first with money? And uh, Susan Savette, who's a wealth advisor here in town, has got a really incredible personal story of overcoming trauma in her life and figuring out that her financial relationship with trauma was very connected. So she had to figure out how she was really building a relationship with money so she could be happy. And so we're going to talk a lot about her story, but also some practical tips for how to do that, how to put yourself first with money and not to feel shame about it. Um, We also um, have an I'm Remarkable event coming up in April. So that's the one where if you or if you have people on your team who um, really need to work on self-promotion and confidence, um, it's a really strong 90-minute workshop where we talk about the societal barriers for women and underrepresented groups around self-promotion um, and the fact that it's not our fault. It isn't. Um, but also a really nice workshop um, element where you get to look at why you are remarkable as a person. So that's a free event for everyone. If you want to really dig into Passion Collective, and by the way, passioncollective.co is where our public home is, um, we, you can also from there find Passion Collective On Demand and that is where you can uh, sign your team up for membership or you can sign up for membership yourself and you get a whole load of extra stuff there. So we have a lot going on. And if you're in Minneapolis on Friday, we've got the field trip going on. I but wish I, I was... imagine this may go out after 
never really so i probably shouldn't say any time based stuff sorry sarah <laughs> i wish well i'm just jealous because i wish i was in the twin cities and i could go on a field trip we'll come and do one in oregon let's do it you can be our new chapter <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, Laura, this has been absolutely a treat to have this conversation with you today. And I know Lynchpin Nation's got like copious notes from all of like this, really this mini masterclass that you've put together for us today on guest engagement and intentional uh, like community creation. It's just been so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing oh, today. Thanks, Laura. I really appreciate you having me on and um, you're doing a brilliant job with this and well done on building the Lynchpin Nation and if anyone wants to connect just find me on LinkedIn I'm, I'm not that difficult to find with the old bangs going so Laura best <laughs> LinkedIn with the bangs I will put all of those uh, links up in the, the show notes for sure including LinkedIn and the, your coach that you mentioned and where they can find the Passion Collective and all of your events awesome thank you so much Laura thanks Sarah take care thank you for listening to the Green Room Central podcast today if you loved this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram and be sure to tag at Sarah Pfeiffer and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. That'll help me know what to create for you. And if it's on your heart to host your first or next event in 2022, then you need a, and you need a jumpstart, then I think we should connect for a strategy session. Just go to greenroomcentral.com. In a two hour intensive private session, I can help you pivot, scale, or start your event vision from scratch. Together, we will build an actionable plan to help you feel confident and clear on your next steps. Just go to greenroomcentral.com right now to sign up. On average, I spend about an hour a day reading every month of every year. If you love learning on the go as much as I do, go to greenroomcentral.com to get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of Audible, my audiobook platform of choice and a sponsor of Green Room Central. Perhaps you'll grab a copy of The Passenger or one of my favorites, Tribes by Seth Godin, who Laura was chatting about today. I want to say I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and strategy of live events. Keep going, keep learning. If you wanna learn more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode.